0: Paul Millsap, to me, as much as I like him as a player, we don't want to become a repeat of the Atlanta Hawks, um, and that's exactly what we would look like, would we not? I mean, well, you, you'd you'd, you would have you would have. Isaiah Thomas, yep. who would be your Jeff Teague. But Isaiah's better. Isaiah your backcourt is, is better. Your backcourt back is substantially yes. better. But you have Jay Crowder, who's your Damari Carroll or Kent Bazemore or whoever it is that sure. you have playing a small yep. forward. And then you've got Millsap and Horford on your team. You become the Atlanta Hawks again. And I just don't think that's good enough to get it done. Now, if we start talking about Jimmy Butler... I think that changes the entire conversation, but it is going to cost a pretty penny and, and you know to what? get him here. Danny Ainge
1: may pay that pretty penny because ultimately Danny knew going into this this whole rebuild window with all of the assets that he acquired that he there is just no way physically that he could continue to draft all of these players. And this year, again, it looks like We've said this for in years past. We'll say it again. Right now, the Nets' pick mathematically could be the number one pick. It should they be have the, number the one worst pick. record. A, a, but the biggest difference maker in college basketball this year is a point guard. It doesn't address any of your your positions of need on this team. All that being said, let's say it took the two Brooklyn picks, Jay Crowder or Avery Bradley, and some filler. You know, whatever that filler is, to get it done. It's a hefty price to pay. If it's me. I think I do it, but I'll ask you guys. Jared's now finally here with us too, so I want to get his opinion on this. When you look at this team, assuming that the Celtics decide to pay Isaiah Thomas, and we know what that's going to cost, I think it's a pretty safe assumption at this point, though, unless things go drastically wrong here. If you're big three and you're three max contracts because that's all you can really afford, go to Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, Jimmy Butler, how far does that get you?
0: Well, and before Jared says anything, because I I just want to make this point before I lose it, because I'm dumb and I I tend to lose where I am in life. Uh, I think I've already lost where I am in life, quite frankly. Anyway, you talked about a point guard being available as the sort of the top pick. Now, we all know that there's sort of a one through six in this draft that are all sort of similar in terms of their skill level. But let's assume that it is a point guard. That is the exact position that the Chicago Bulls need to fill. Is it not? And with they wanted to it with Dunn last year. sitting on their right. bench, and right now they've got a you know uh, kind of a rotating, revolving door at the point guard position. And by the way, I watched Jimmy Butler play the other night. Not just against the Cavs, which he was terrible throughout most of the game, but killed him in the fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, but the fifty-two points—I mean, he looked reminiscent of Paul Pierce when he had it going. And I'm not saying that they are the same player, no, but they're very, but similar. but they are very similar they in are. terms of their abilities.
2: Doesn't it seem to you, though, that like if the, if they wanted to trade Jimmy Butler now, they could go to Minnesota and just get
1: Chris Dunn. But Chris Dunn's had a horrible first half of, his, of the season. Yeah, but if and they, they still loved him that much in the
2: draft, they could easily just say, you know what, we'll, we're going to take the risk because we don't want Jimmy Butler here. Nah, they,
1: but I'll tell you what, NBA general managers love the unknown. They I love the that unknown. That and right now, won't Bulls fans, if they trade their number one player, aren't Bulls fans going to be a bit underwhelmed at the return of Chris Dunn? Now, if Chris Dunn had come in and lit it up through the first two or three months, absolutely. But now you've got to sell your fans on his upside, as opposed to selling your fans on a top lottery pick.
0: But in addition to that, and I agree with you, I do think that, you know, the Bulls were really high on Dunn. So were the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, so there are moves in addition to to what they could make, even if they decided to trade with with Minnesota. So there are some options. But I think from a pure talent standpoint, whatever package they get from the Celtics will be a lot more ready to play basketball today than Chris Dunn really is. And maybe they think his future or his ceiling is off the charts. But you bring in a Bradley and a Crowder or you know a, a, a brand-new player. Because, look, let's face it, the Celtics don't need – another young player no they really don't no. I mean they're having a hard enough time getting the minutes in there for for Jalen Brown. And don't forget, they're going to, the Celtics have already committed, and they're going to have
1: two essentially rookies on their roster next year that aren't there this year, the two guys, the draft and stash guys. Uh, you know, And Yasuble and Zijic, they've played very well, by the way, overseas, and the Celtics are committed to putting these guys on the active roster next year. So you're bringing these two guys into a, into a rotation right now that you're already trying to get minutes for, Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown, and by the way, a rotation that hasn't had any time for, for
0: Terry Rozier in the last 30 days. But does it not speak to the decision that Danny Ainge made to take Jalen Brown with that pick last year? Because now it's starting to kind of sit with me that maybe one, there was a lot of talk in the draft or draft night that the Celtics were angling hard for Jimmy Butler, and maybe it all centered around Jay Crowder. And if that's the case, Jalen Brown was to be that backup small forward positionally, if that's where they envisioned him, that they were going to put him in place as the backup to a Jimmy Butler if Jimmy Butler were going to be their starting small forward and so now I'm starting to think to myself well you know I realize we all hear the rumors about Jay Crowder and all the rumors for the Celtics all seem to center around the same position they're always about the small forward they need a wing scorer they know they need a wing scorer so maybe that really was the decision behind Jalen Brown and not picking up Chris Dunn when they had the opportunity do you guys think that anything has changed in the Celtics eyes for Jay Crowder do you think that if Danny
2: got a call from I'm sure they've already talked there's no way around that I'm sure they've they've been talking since since Draft. Nothing Since draft Nothing night, has they've stung. been talking, yes. But do you think that value on Jay Crowder has gone down at all? No. No, Jay Crowder's having a career year, so no. But you don't think now Danny Ainge would give
1: him up now? Put I, I think up. Danny Ainge would have given up him up then uh, for the right deal. But I, I tell you what, Danny Ainge... Danny Ainge really overvalues his guys. It's one of Danny Ainge's fatal flaws. He's always overvalued his guys, but now Danny Ainge has also put himself into, backed himself into a corner where you're looking at the upcoming two Brooklyn picks. You're looking at, don't forget, in 2019 the Celtics own multiple picks from other teams as well. Mm-hmm. This is this is, it's not okay. It's not good because the more that he continues to draft. He's driving down the own value of his draft picks because other general managers essentially know at this point this guy's got to trade these picks. He's got no choice. The, the Celtics can't expect to win 50-plus games and continue to to expect Brad Stevens to groom young talent. When you talk about a guy like Jimmy Butler, the thing about Jimmy Butler that nobody's talked about all day today, as this has been covered extensively, is the fact that Jimmy Butler signed through 2020 with the old collective bargaining agreement. So his salary tops out at a tick over $20 million. Jimmy Butler now essentially is a deal. He's a bargain at that old CBA rate. For the next three years, you are getting a steal. You are trading away a steal because r- nobody is uh, besides Isaiah Thomas has outplayed his contract more than a guy l- like uh, like Jay Crowder. I- and that's the thing that everybody loves about Crowder. He has drastically
0: over- overplayed his contract. So
1: Those but- too.
0: But the Bulls are clearly in a rebuilding stage of their own. So I what mean, do they, you do with Dwayne Wade? But are well, they? But, though? but, but Dwayne, Dwayne Wade want to get stuck in a lottery? No, team? but Dwayne Wade's going to retire. Let's face it, Dwayne Wade's going to retire. They no, know he's not. He's yes, going, he will go to Cleveland on a on a, on a, on a min yeah, deal. Yeah, he might go on a min deal. You're right. But I but my my assumption is he's going to play out a string and say, all right, you know what? Either trade me. Somebody's going to make it a salary dump, and then he's going to re-sign for a minimum deal somewhere, you know, mid mid-season, either this year or next year. I think that's a almost a guarantee. They sat Rajon Rondo. They traded Derrick Rose. They, uh, they, they're not looking to invest in Jimmy Butler, despite what everybody says. They, they don't have the roster right now to even do it. They've got Taj Gibson and and I, I mean, what is their and roster by the way, comprised if you go, of? If you go get Jimmy Butler, please
1: bring Taj Gibson back with you because the Celtics still, at that point, will not have addressed their rebounding concerns, their rebounding needs. And that's why I wasn't joking earlier in the show, Jeff. We talked about the Atlanta Hawks. If you're going to pick a piece off of the Hawks, trade for Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is signed to a reasonable deal for the next two seasons. He addresses the Celtics' huge front court issues. He allows uh, the Celtics big investment in Al Horford to slide back to the power forward. He corrects a lot of what
0: ails the Celtics. But what I mean what does Atlanta want right now? I mean they're going to want high draft picks if give, they're going to blow it up. I mean cuz let's give them the it. draft picks. I understand <laughs> that, but but you can't have both. You you can you can't have a, a Jimmy Butler situation. Why not? You've got two. Because right You don't think the Bulls are going to want both? The Bulls are going to want both. It's possible. It's possible.
1: Will one of those teams accept a Jalen Brown in place of one of those draft picks?
0: Do you want to give up Jalen Brown and Jay Jay Crowder? I don't know that I do that. I don't care about Jalen Brown. He makes no, he I'm makes not no saying,
1: difference to this basketball team. I'm
0: not saying None. he does. But what I am saying is it, you're pretty thin at that position if you get rid of him. And and the biggest thing you've been fighting for yep. for the last couple of years has been that position. And That's what, did we, ch- and what <laughs> did we learn? What did we learn
1: when Paul Pierce was here with Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett? What, I, well, what, I have an article what, in front what, of me I know about you know. Paul We Pierce. will get to what we learned about Paul Pierce. <laughs> what did we learn about that? When you've got a future Hall of Fame a, a player a, or, let's say, a perennial all-star type of player at a position and your team is very good, you don't need very talented players behind them. Don't forget, Danny Ainge filled that
0: 2008 championship team with three Hall of Famers and a bunch of no-names and scrubs. Uh, but see, I disagree with that. That was not no-names and scrubs. Really? You're talking, James Posey was a damn good player. And, you know, yes, Eddie House, okay, but... Then you had Sam Cassell come in. Then you had P.J. Brown come in. Those guys weren't scrubs. A guy, uh, P.J. Brown, was retired.
1: Sam Cassell was at the tail end of his career. But he started coaching but, at that point. But yeah, coach. exactly. He was an assistant <laughs> but, coach. But, but let's be serious about, about what the Celtics, as far as this year, let's say this year, next year. Forget the long term, because the long term, Jalen Brown is somebody that I'm very interested in. But let's say for the short term, I am just as, or I'm probably happier this year with a guy like Green on the court. I think he's going to give the Celtics more this year, more next year than Jalen Brown will. So if he's going to back up Jimmy Butler, who's going to play thirty-five, thirty-eight minutes a night, anyways, you're talking about finding a guy to play ten minutes a night. And and Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder can go away. And, and what you have? What left? You're left with Green at that point if you give them both up, right? And I'm completely comfortable with him in a limited role. Is
0: that because his skin is lighter?
1: It's because he only has nine fingers. <laughs> and we're not. Well, let's see
0: the. You you want to get into it? You You dove right in. You're trying hard. (laughs) Yes, you dove right in. Look, I I mean look, this conversation is going on. We were talking about this in our first year in radio and that was what, seventeen years ago. So yes, this is uh, this is how it is, you know, people are gonna have a perception of a city. But you know, my only issue. It, and I know we'll talk with with uh, Dave Wedge. Dave Wedge. About we should have
1: it. Coach Willie May on to talk about this. <laughs> Please, I don't want <laughs> to talk to him about anything. <laughs> I, but here's the
0: thing: when you when you want to when you want to label a city racist, it's a definitive. And while what Bamani Jones said was not definitive, it was insinuated. The talk is Boston is definitive fact is a racist city versus. Boston could be perceived as a racist city. Boston might be a racist city. Boston could be a racist city, but instead people talk in these definitives about it being a racist city. And my argument to that is very simply that we could look across this country and you see cops that are shooting African Americans in the streets. And you talk about the the injustices in Ferguson and Baltimore and those types of places where people are angry and, and rioting and burning their cities to the ground due to what they b- believe is racism on their streets. That's not going on in Boston. That doesn't happen here. And frankly, it's ridiculous to even put us in the same category at this point as any of those cities that that may or may not have that problem. One of the oldest expressions in the book
1: and one that you've probably taught your children, and I try to teach mine, Jeff, is that first impressions are lasting. It's such a fact. Look, the impression of Boston for years and years and years and years and years is that it's a racist city, although – Most of what caused that impression is probably gone now and been eliminated. And you've had enough black athletes come through here in the last 15 years and tell the world how much they love it here. It doesn't matter because that impression has lasted. It has staying power. So unless you're an athlete that has come here, played here, lived here, and experienced it for yourself, unfortunately, you've heard it growing up your whole life. Your friends have probably talked about it their whole lives. Your AAU teammates their whole lives that Boston is a racist city. Yeah, it's a narrative. So, so if you if you hear it enough, it becomes it becomes the perception
0: truth. becomes reality. Absolutely. But but that said, so how do you change people, perception? Be, can't people look at the at the reality as it is, regardless of what your perception of something is? Dig in. Do your homework. People just live off of, you know, what people say. You think
1: say. Bomani Jones does his homework? Oh, does no. he strike you as somebody that that, you know, <laughs> sits up and does it does show prep for hours? No. Bomani Jones? No. Really? <clears throat>
0: Here, <laughs> just, just you're, dragging me down here. I'm you're dragging me down. I'm trying, dragging me down. I'm trying, but I'm trying to trigger a couple of responses from you. Right I know now. you are. I know you are, <laughs> and you're not. You're not going to get it. You're just not going to get it. But if you look at what Bamani Jones said, being yeah. you know, we all know what that's about. Well, then what is it about for Isaiah Thomas who wrote that article yeah. on the players uh, Tribune Tribune saying, yeah. you know, uh, I love this city. I love the way I felt when I came here. The people that fought hard, and again, I know there have been white players, the Gordon Haywards, the Kevin Loves, that have been talked about. Of course they here. have. They're talented free agents. They're right. talented trade targets. But but in Cleveland, Cleveland of all <laughs> places, where they traded for this guy, they traded black players to get a white player. Are people throwing their arms up? No. It's all based on people's false way of thinking about the city of And Austin. by the way, two things. The whole Gordon Hayward
1: thing, if anybody saw it, there was maybe half of the crowd cheered a little bit louder than they normally would for somebody. It wasn't this massive standing ovation, roll out the red carpet. It was nothing, nothing like what the Celtics fans did for Kevin Durant last year. When the Celtics fans mobbed Kevin Durant last year and showed that man the love, and then Kevin Durant said after the game to Celtics reporters that he loves it here, he's got respect for the city, and the whole place went nuts for the next 48 hours, thinking that Kevin Durant might sign here. If that sort of red carpet had been rolled out for Gordon Hayward, maybe this is a story that should have had some traction, had some legs. A few fans that realized that gordon hayward is an upcoming free agent he's been a celtics trade target Acknowledge the fact that a talented player was in the building it wasn't this overwhelming
0: response that has been made out to be well now here's my other question because i think that jay crowder's point however is a legitimate one i don't think it's based in race i think jay crowder's point exactly his point is that you shouldn't be cheering for the other team it's just it's a it's a It's a respect. Did he say it
1: last year when Celtics fans went? Totally agreed. Totally agreed. How about this year when Boogie was in town?
0: But he wasn't concerned about Amir Johnson's job. But again, you're you're making the assumption that what his statement was about was race, and I don't. You're saying you're. Me? You? Yeah. You're, I'm not – no. Jay, Jay Crowder – It was about basketball. Right. And the media turned it into race. Correct. So Jay Crowder's point, I still believe, is a good one. I, I don't think that we should no, be cheering anybody on one. the other really? team. Really? So
1: you, you have a problem. When Celtics fans cheered Boogie Cousins earlier this year, I, it, say, come to Boston. I'm when not Celtics a player. Fans, I'm not a player. When Celtics fans cheered Kobe Bryant if I were a player, chanting I, MVP. If I were a player, I'd have a problem with it, yeah. You know what I say to Jay Crowder? Jay Crowder needs to either get better or man up. Okay. Because Jay Crowder, he,
0: he could knock you up a bit.
1: Absolutely, could. That's why I'm behind a microphone, 50 miles away <laughs> from the garden tonight. Okay, I can say what I want here.
0: He might punch you. He might. But, but 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 you know what? So that's what what happens tonight. Does Jay Crowder get a huge ovation? Of course he does. Celtics fans gave him multiple huge ovations. He had a
1: great game the other night. Every time he did something positive out there, it wasn't like every time Gordon Hayward hit a shot, Celtics fans applauded him. It was a mild acknowledgement prior to the game. That's all it
0: was. I, but I understand as a player, his frustration I might know, you be. You know how players feel. Yeah, I'm a player. In in my own head, I know I'm. You are. I'm. <laughs> I know you are. I've seen you play. <laughs> run some good. ball before. I only played once, and I was like drunk. I think at the time, but it was, and I was still pretty good. Ryan Rossillo was the star that evening. That's true. Ryan Rossillo was the star that well, evening. I Although I, I'm not gonna lie, Brian Uluski... he, you can play. He can play. He yeah. can play. Yeah. But. That aside, <laughs> uh, Jay Crowder, I think, is going to get a pretty warm reception tonight, as he should. Can I say one one more thing before yeah. we go
1: to break when it comes to Jay Crowder? I, I think that Jay Crowder's response had a lot more to do with stuff that he might be hearing from Danny Ainge and his agent. I think Jay Crowder knows very well that he is on the trading block. I think he knows very well that this year is a year where the Celtics, if they're going to make a big move and trade one of these future lottery picks, it's probably going to be this year, and he holds a tremendous amount of trade value because his contract is so, high, so low, and he's overplayed that contract so well. Other teams always call, for Jay Crowder. He does a lot on the basketball court. I don't think Jay Crowder wants to go anywhere. I think his feelings are hurt that the Celtics are considering trading him because he's done so much in such a short period of time here. That and being and said, he was traded here, too. He was uh, traded yeah. here. But he was traded from... He was the 12th man on that bench. He never
0: played for Dallas. All right, we're going to take a break. When we do, uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the whole race relations thing here in Boston. And If you ever thought that I could tie in Paul Pierce and crapping your pants um, and and make sense of it, then this is never, this is going to blow your mind. Absolutely blow your mind. We'll be back. ESPN (laughs) New Hampshire, Techman and Gilroy, pregame Celtics. You're listening to
3: Manchester's home of the Boston Celtics. It's ESPN New Hampshire. It's Sunday Sit Down with Jared Scaley.
2: The salary cap is going through the roof. Insane. The money is going to be ten times worse than what it is this year. So yes, that contract was fifteen a year, fifteen and change a year. If that happened, if he signed that deal now, that's twenty a year because of where the salary cap's going. All right. Numbers are going to be inflated. NBA fans are obscene. Are going to be obscene seeing some of the numbers that are going to come out in the next yeah. couple of years, and a lot of outrages. And we're going to talk about it on here. We're going to talk. Everyone's going to talk I mean, about it. The numbers are going to be stupid.
3: Every Sunday from eleven to one on ESPN New Hampshire.
4: Which is worse, a trip to the hospital or the fees and bills that come with it? At the Bedford Ambulatory Surgical Center, they provide a comfortable and friendly environment while offering high-quality imaging for open MRI and low-dose CAT scans and ultrasounds, all at an affordable price. Their modern technology allows for accurate diagnosis while ensuring complete patient comfort and safety. For more information or to set up an appointment, please call 603-622-3670 or visit bedfordsurgical.com or baskimaging.com. Hey, American Express card members, there's never been a better reason to get out and shop small in your neighborhood. Because now, through December 31st, you could earn two times your rewards when you shop small with an enrolled American Express card. Learn more and enroll your eligible card today at AmericanExpress.com slash ShopSmallOffer. It always feels two times as good to support local stores, and now it's two times as rewarding. Prepaid and corporate cards, cards issued by other financial institutions. The Plum Card and certain other cards are not eligible. Reward cap and other terms apply.
5: Looking for a stylish place to call home? Then you need to check out the brand new apartment homes in Lowell at 24 Merrimack Street. The apartments at 24 Merrimack Street are located in historic downtown Lowell and offer unique apartment living within an historic 19th century building. Residents enjoy brand new interiors and unparalleled lifestyle amenities. Just moments from downtown Lowell's boutique shops, cafes, and entertainment. For more information, please visit 24MerrimackStreet.com. Again, that's 24MerrimackStreet.com.
2: The money-saving tip. Co-natural with another money-making tip. How to save money effectively.
4: Tired of overpaying for stuff? Then head to ESPNNHradio.com and check out the ESPN New Hampshire Deals page. You can save up to 50% on deals from all your favorite local businesses and restaurants. Why pay full price when gift cards and gift certificates are only a few clicks away? So start saving now by going to ESPNNHradio.com and checking out the new ESPN New Hampshire Deals page. You're welcome.
6: Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fishing Games Wildlife Journal.
7: You probably knew that several hunting seasons were going on in the fall, but what you may not know is that trapping season also began in October and runs through March, with most activity occurring between November and December. You mentioned the word trapping, and various images come to mind. Some are accurate, some are emotionally based, and decades old. The truth is that skilled trappers provide the state with important ecological and societal benefits at no cost. This part of our cultural heritage prevents flooding damage by beavers, minimizes disease risks like rabies and canine distemper, and provides tools for wildlife management. And because trapping is highly regulated, it doesn't cause species to become threatened nor extinct. So don't just take someone's word for it. Learn more about trapping in New Hampshire at HuntNH.com.
6: Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests.
4: Hi, I'm Tim Daly. If you're over 50, like me, you know that we all need to be more aware of our health. Take pneumococcal pneumonia, for example. It's a serious lung disease that can be spread when people cough or sneeze. My mom had it. Now, it won't always happen this way, but for my mom, it was serious enough that she was in the hospital for over a week. She had difficulty breathing, was really weak, and had a terrible cough. Some adults think they're too active or healthy to get sick, but as we age, our immune system weakens, putting us at greater risk. It may surprise you, but it's estimated a quarter million Americans over 50 are hospitalized each year because of pneumococcal pneumonia. If you're over 50, talk to your doctor about your risk for pneumococcal pneumonia and see if you're up to date on your vaccinations. Learn more at
3: www.whonew.com. That's www.whopneu.com. This message is brought to you by the American Lung Association in partnership with Pfizer. I'm Interested in pursuing a career in radio or television? Visit NHAB.org, the online home of the New Hampshire Association of Broadcasters. Visit our online job bank at NHAB.org to view current job openings and even post your resume for potential employers. Students, visit NHAB.org to apply for the NHAB Student Broadcaster Scholarship and learn about available internships. NHAB.org, the online source of Granite State Broadcasting. Be a part of the conversation and call in at 603-883-9900. You're listening to 1250 Manchester ESPN New Hampshire.
0: All right, Celtics 76ers. It's the Celtics pregame show. Jeff Heckman, Patrick Gilroy, Jared Scalley in the house here for ESPN New Hampshire. If you want to join the show, give us your thoughts on all things Boston Celtics and of course uh the recent story about Jay Crowder being angry at the fans for cheering the uh aforementioned white you say Gordon aforementioned Gordon no, I didn't say Afro mentioned. <laughs> it's not like He's... you said Afro mentioned. I actually like his hair quite a bit. So, so listen, you said the recent story about Jay Crowder,
1: and I think that Jay Crowder's been, been sort of thrown into this and painted in a bad light. The story originated with Jay Crowder's comments, and then where, where Jay Crowder really made his mistake, his fatal flaw was going on Twitter. I think if this had been just left alone after the post-game comments, sure, they would have got some sports radio run. They would have been in the newspapers, on the blogs, but it would have faded away pretty quickly. It's when he took to Twitter, and then... Then made the mistake to start responding to fans.
0: Yeah, that 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 was and media. Listen, I I can't blame the guy. He's young, but can you blame him for one thing? One thing. We we have a president that tweets pretty often. (laughs) Coming up,
1: that's true. So that's true. He got into a Twitter war, by the way, today with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's awesome. All right. So I mean, this is the world we live in, right? It's awful, right? But Where it, the but- Apprentice and the Terminator are going at it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the Apprentice is. It, is the I know, I know, I
0: know, um, I know. But you know what I hate is that I just have to throw this in. This is my little pop culture bit for the day. But the the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger had to have like a, a you're terminated as like a. You know, a, a catchphrase on that show because they they couldn't re- pre- reproduce the "You're fired" from Donald Trump. Doesn't
1: Donald Trump own that in some way, shape, or form? I, th- I think he trademarked everything he does. Yeah, I think he trademarked it. But still, it.
0: I mean, it's just it's stupid. It is that's stupid. stupid. That's good. That the going to last a year. A yeah, year, it's stupid. Maybe.
1: It'll, it'll come back when somebody else gets into office in four years.
0: Well, here's the thing. My, uh, that's not going to happen. But <laughs> <laughs> eight here, years of Trump. Yeah. Uh, well, you just watched. You didn't think there was going to be four years, and I called it. I don't know how many months. I, I mean, like a year. I've, I've got. I just want to I owe you a gold star. It's in my car, so before we get out of here, <laughs> sure. I'll on take your forehead. it. I'll take it. It's the best thing. I'll get. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put on your license plate. Yeah. Uh, so my point being about Jay Crowder, though, is yes, he took to Twitter. Yes, he argued with the fans, and yes, I think he had some legitimate gripes. Saying he wanted to leave Boston that, to me was the one part yeah. of that whole thing that you just don't do because now the same fans that you are blaming for you know cheering for the other guy. Yep. You've now got them to look at you in a bit of a different light. And before, you were sort of the, the heart and soul of this team, right? Now the team is look, the, the fans are looking at you saying, hey, man, you really want to go? Are they, though? Are, I feel like most Celtics fans probably just overlooked it. They're like, whatever.
2: We, we still love them. That's how most Celtics fans are.
0: And listen, nobody's You think a, so? I, I don't think I, so at I
2: don't all. think so either. Uh,
1: the green teamers out there? They don't uh, care. You won't find bigger green teamers <laughs> than, than this guy. Yeah, but
2: you're like on the radio at a green teamer. It's a big difference.
1: I know. That
0: is true. <laughs> but that, that is difference. true. No, that's not true because uh, he'll call you in the middle of the night drunk and talk about <laughs> Antoine Walker. But here's the thing. I just thought that portion of it led to what Patrick just said before the break, which was there's got to be some rumblings going on that he is in tune to where agent has brought him in the fold saying, listen, your name has been mentioned in some different possible rumors. And maybe, just maybe, the Gordon Hayward one has more legs than we think because maybe that's why of all the players that have been mentioned and cheered, you know, we talked about Kevin Durant, Boogie Cousins and whatnot, maybe him being the the the, the one sore spot for Jay Crowder, maybe that is the reason why. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, when you talk about Gordon Hayward,
1: the one thing that doesn't compute there about potentially trading for him as opposed to him being a free agent signee, the Jazz are pretty good. The Jazz are pretty good, and it looks like they're going to be a playoff team this year for the you know, and be a playoff team for the foreseeable future. So I don't think that Gordon Hayward is going anywhere this year, even without him giving the Jazz some sort of a guarantee that they're... He's going to re-sign there. I, I I don't think that the Jazz are interested in moving him. I think the Jazz at this point in their development are a team that's certainly looking to be a playoff team. So yes and no. I see your point, Jeff. But when you talk about the Utah Jazz being a trade partner, I don't think that they've got any interest in blowing
0: that team up. All I'm saying is I thought maybe the the Jay Crowder anger might be fueled from something bigger than just... One night we were cheering Gordon Hayward. That's all. I if if Gordon Hayward is a legitimate option, that I could see that making Jay Crowder a little bit angry. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. It.
1: It's Jeff Hickman, Patrick Gilroy here in the Boston Celtics pregame show, ESPN Radio New Hampshire. You stream us live, ESPNNHradio.com. dot com. The number to join us here six zero three eight eight three ninety nine hundred. Going out to those phone lines right now, let's bring in our good friend Dave Wedge, author, writer. This guy wrote Boston Strong, which, as we all know, became the movie It's Patriots Day. It's unbelievable the stuff that this guy's accomplished. And the best part is, Jeff, he's a young guy that's kind of like us. You know what I mean? He's, what are you, about 40 years old, Dave?
8: I'm a little older. I'm a little older than you guys. Yeah. Oh, forget
1: it. That doesn't well, qualify know, you, you, for young. Your, men. your resume essentially says you've accomplished a lot. I was trying to say you've accomplished a lot in a short period of time on the planet. But if you don't want to take that compliment, Dave, it's okay.
8: No, I appreciate it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a young guy. I'm
1: I'm mid-career, I'd say. Mid-career, so Dave Wedge, and he also everybody knows him here from uh from working for the Herald for all those years. So Dave, we wanted yeah. to bring you in because when you look at everything that you've accomplished in your career, and especially your most recent work, um, reporting on or writing about uh, the Boston Marathon bombings, you're, you're very much not only into the sports side of things, but you're into the cultural side of things, especially mm-hmm. here in Boston. And we all know how. This debate has gone on the last 24, 48, 72 hours, and it all centers around the culture of New England, the culture of Boston. And for Jeff and I, I think the feeling is that New England is getting a a bad rap nationally. So I want to ask you, because you're you're so in tune to all of this, what's your take Mm -hmm. on this whole Boston is a racist town? Do, Do you think that there's some legs to that?
8: Well, I, I I'm, unfortunately I do, but I think it's a problem nationally. I mean, I think there's a you know we have there's there's racial um, unrest and, and racial debates going on all around the country. It's not a unique to Boston thing. I think that Boston gets uh, the spotlight shown on it a bit because of some of the history here in the city, and unfortunately, it goes back to the busing in the '70s where Boston had some of the worst racial problems, really, that the country's ever seen. Um, That said, the busing uh, issue was a very progressive issue at the time, and that's why it gave Boston that reputation, because it was so progressive that no one else around the country was doing this. You know, a federal judge forced young white kids and young black kids to be bused into um, a neighborhood, a different neighborhood where they would be the racial minority. That was a new thing at the time. And the rest of the country sat up and took notice, and the people here in Boston, black and white, took great, um, great objection to that. You know, the, the folks in the black community, um, some of them wanted their kids going to better schools, but they didn't want their kids being bussed across the city. And with the white folks, uh, they were like, there's a great school right down the street. Why do I have to go across town to, a, to a, 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 an underperforming school in a black neighborhood? And it caused a lot of uh, friction in Boston and nationally and a lot of those people who were those kids being bussed around the, the country are in their forties, fifties and sixties now, uh, in Boston and some of that lingering tension uh exists, you know. So Indeed, but but do I think Boston is a do I think Boston's a racist city? No, I don't. Well, that's people in every city.
0: I was just going to ask that question because it seems to me that (laughs) the the greater narrative seems to speak in more definitive terms, which is saying Boston is definitively a fact a racist city versus, you know, Boston could be considered, Boston could be perceived. It, It never has that qualifier. And I guess what I, my question to you is as you've seen over the last. I don't know how many years in sports, it seems that the race issue always comes up. I remember before Kevin Garnett got traded here, it was because he didn't want to come to Boston because it was a racist city. Um, mm. and, and, and that was sort of shocking to me just even back then because I, I never felt that way about the city I lived in. Um, and now across the country, you see racial tensions, as you mentioned, flare up in many cities, uh, Baltimore mm. just being one of the few. And, and yet no, you, I, you don't hear that when you start talking about free agents going to the Ravens or you talk about, you know, St. Louis or the places it, it, that, that tensions have, have risen there. So why is it that Boston is the exception to that rule?
8: I think it's because of what I said. I think it's the history of the city with the Boston. I think that's where it started. And also, you know, we have a reputation of being a very um, white Irish uh, power structure, you know, with... With the politicians, I mean, look, almost every mayor in the history of Boston has been an Irish, a white Irish guy. And uh, right or wrong, a lot of people around the country perceive that as, um, you know, a racist power structure. Um, You know, look at even look at the Patriots, you know, the Patriots quietly. People are, oh, look at all the white guys on the Patriots office, Gronk and Edelman and Amendola and Brady. But guess what? They're 14 and 2. I don't care what color they are bill belichick certainly doesn't care what color they are um and so i just think that it's a reputation that boston has earned or not it is there um my personal opinion is you know i've i've covered sports news politics government music you name it i've covered it in the city i've also covered this stuff in a lot of other cities and i don't think boston's any more or less racist than anywhere else i think there's there's bad people that are judgmental in, in every city in America. I just think that our history um, makes that an easy argument to make. Coupled with the fact that with the Celtics, we happened, just so happen to have the greatest white basketball player pretty much of all time. Two of them, really, with, you know, yeah. Haveltec and Larry Bird. But guess what? We also had Bill Russell, who, I, in my opinion, is one of the top two or three best basketball players of all time. You know, and, you know, the Bruins had the first black player. You know, Um, there is a history of racism with the Red Sox that's well documented with the Yankees. So it's there, but I think it's in every city. I don't think it's unique to Boston, thing.
0: Now, tying that to the conversation I think recently you've had with Isaiah Thomas, here's a guy who came out of, you know, uh, a number of different cities, Sacramento, Phoenix, and never really found a home, and yet he got here. And I think both organizationally within the Celtics organization, but he feels very at home here and has made that known. And it it always confuses me that the narrative continues regardless of the the African-American players that come in to play here and our beloved Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen – Come to mind. Oh, Paul Pierce
1: has already said that when he retires this year, he's moving back to Boston, and this is he's going to make this place his home. So it always, you're right. It amazes me as well that these African Americans that are uh, revered here, and by the way, multimillionaires a hundred times over could choose to live mm-hmm. anywhere in their retirement days, continue to come back to Boston and at least make Boston their home part time. David Ortiz has said he's going to keep his Boston home and be be here part time. These guys don't have to do that. Yeah, post-playing days, and so many of them yeah, choose no. to remain a part of the community.
8: Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. You know, racism is, is a broad brush. You can't paint a city as racist. You know, there may be racist factions, but, you know, certainly David Ortiz and Paul Pierce's experience in Boston may be different than D. Brown's experience in Boston. We all it's remember good that example. one. You yep. know, maybe, maybe different than Jim Rice's experience in Boston, where Jim Rice felt like the almost exclusively white media at the time, was very unfair to him. Um, So, you know, there's there's pockets of racism everywhere. I think it's magnified in Boston because of our history. But I think, you know, if you ask a guy like Paul Pierce, I don't think Paul Pierce would tell you that Boston is a racist city because he had a great experience here. You know, Jay Crowder, maybe he's had a different experience here. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's been in a bar where he's heard guys using, you know, Colorful language um and inappropriate language, you know we don't really know it's it's kind of my point is it's more of an individual thing. I don't think it's a a cultural thing uh the way that it's kind of portrayed in the media at times, and I certainly don't think that people cheering for Gordon Hayward were cheering because they want another white player. I think they want a great player. they cheered for Kevin Durant when he was here last year, you know, but I think it's it's a thing that media folks seize upon. It's kind of low hanging fruit. It's like, oh, look at the Boston people cheering for the white guy, and you know they hate the black people. I think that's an easy argument for people in the media to make. So unfair. was that
0: was that out of line then for Bomani Jones to say? I, I mean, I yeah, he, he didn't Absolutely. say it specifically, but he obviously referenced it. He came out the next day and said, "I was joking," uh, and which he clearly wasn't and i i just don't think he was he expected the wildfire to start the way it did i think he thought most people would hear it accept it and move on and that's not the case obviously
8: no well well i mean in this country right now when you make uh, an an allegation or an accusation of racism under the microscope of the election we just went through it's it's taken seriously and it's going to catch like wildfire you know i mean he he said that you know, Gordon Herewood's the player on the court that looks more most like Larry Bird. Well, the guy looks nothing like Larry Bird except that they're both white. You know, uh, I, I think it was a ridiculous comment. He should apologize to the people of Boston, in my opinion.
1: It's the Celtics pregame show right here, ESPN Radio, ESPN New Hampshire Radio. You find us online, ESPNNHRadio.com. It's Jeff Hickman alongside Patrick Gilroy speaking with author, writer Dave Wedge. Dave, before we get you out of here, let's talk about Isaiah Thomas for a minute. I know that you can't get into everything that uh, you and he spoke about the other day, but you do have an upcoming uh, magazine piece with IT, and IT is a guy that is really – the Celtics acquired this guy for next to nothing. A player exception and a player that's irrelevant. He comes here. What he's done in his first couple of years here is borderline historic, now number five in the NBA and scoring at 27.5 points per game. Yet, he's a guy that his contract will come up at the end of next year. He's drastically under, underpaid right now, uh, far overplaying his, his contractual value. And he's somebody that has not been shy about expecting, in his words, a team to back the Brinks truck up. He is going to get a max contract somewhere. Usually when you've got a guy a year, year and a half away from their next big payday, if they are a big part of their current team's future, negotiations would have started by now. We've heard nothing about negotiations with the Celtics. And we've heard a consistent storyline when it comes to Isaiah Thomas where it seems like half the fan base wants to keep him here long term. Half the fan base still doesn't think that this guy is a building block type of type of guy. Uh, well, what I, do you think? I
8: think that I think the latter half is out of their minds. I mean, he's he's proven that he's a legit NBA All Star. He is a guy you can build a team around. Um, you know, you heard LeBron James's comment the other day, like you know, people in Boston they do have a legit star, and you know, his name is Isaiah Thomas. Um, I'll tell you, from my conversation with him, um, I'm, I'm doing a piece for Where Wear, uh, Wear Boston Magazine that will come out in the uh, March issue, and I found him to be one of the, you know, I've interviewed a lot of celebrities and a lot of athletes and, you know, world leaders in my time. One of the most humble, nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, he was um, really, really uh, appreciative of what he has here in Boston and the way things are going with his team. He loves Coach Stevens, loves his teammates. More importantly, all the people in the Celtics um, organization really uh, appreciate what they have in Isaiah Thomas. They know they've really found a diamond in the rough, and there's a guy here that um, can be the face of the franchise for many years to come. Um, I I believe that to be the the case. So I I think they'll get it done. I think they're going to keep him here and build a team around him. You know, you had one more superstar to this team, and now you are talking about a potential championship uh, team, or at least a contender.
1: Well, Dave, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes and and hopping on the show with us. Do you want to tell the fans where they can find your stuff, your book? Is there anything out there, a website that people should go to?
8: Well, yeah, well, I mean, you know, Patriot's Day is the movie that, uh, you know, they they used our book, Boston Strong, for that, and that movie comes out next Friday, so I I encourage people to go see that. It's about Boston Marathon bombings. Um, Our book uh, was was about that. Um, I wrote it with my co-author, Casey Sherman, and if they want to check us out, they can find us on Facebook, um, Facebook.com/slash/bostonstrongbook and I'm on Twitter at Dave Wedge, so um, you can find it all, about all our new stuff. And we're we're writing uh, the Pete Frady story right now. We're awesome. we're, we're almost done with that. That's uh, the, the Boston College baseball players started the Ice Bucket Challenge. So it's yeah, awesome. That's look, good stuff. Look for that one in the fall.
1: We appreciate you taking a few minutes, Dave. We'll uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Happy Dave. Same to you. This is Dave Wedge uh, from the Boston Herald? Uh, author writer he does a little bit of everything writes for vice and uh, I really wanted to get somebody different somebody unique on the show tonight that has a unique perspective on this whole racial thing in Boston because I I think we've heard all the same players the same voices the last 48 hours it's Jeff Hickman it's Patrick Gilroy it is the Celtics pregame show when we come back Jeff has got a special treat for you guys and if you feel like chiming in we've still got a few minutes for your phone calls at 603-883-9900 we'll be right back
3: Christian and King One
1: game? Yeah, one game was ridiculous One? It was ridiculous
4: You got ripped when you gave Ray Rice two, two. You're going to give this guy one? Yeah, no, it's just and this, guy, and this guy's really bad Josh, Josh Brown's baby, ex-wife told police of over 20 Physically violent yes. instances Police were called on multiple occasions To the Browns' residence In Washington State, St. Louis And New Jersey over the years Jeez, Three states, come on
3: Weekdays, noon to three On ESPN New Hampshire Radio And streaming live on ESPNNHradio.com
2: Hi, I'm Liz. Welcome to Lowell Jewelry & Loan. The economy is pretty rough right now, and if you're looking for a short-term loan, banks aren't making it any easier. Sometimes it can take up to 60 days to get approved. That's crazy. We truly are in the business to lend money and put cash in your hands instantly. Bring in any item and we'll give you cash. We also give you four months before making your first payment. Call or come see us today. Our reputation is impeccable. Lowell Jewelry & Loan on Merrimack Street.
5: Looking for a stylish place to call home? Then you need to check out the brand new apartment homes in Lowell at 24 Merrimack Street. The apartments at 24 Merrimack Street are located in historic downtown Lowell and offer unique apartment living within an historic 19th century building. Residents enjoy brand new interiors and unparalleled lifestyle amenities. Just moments from downtown Lowell's boutique shops, cafes, and entertainment. For more information, please visit 24MerrimackStreet.com. Again, that's 24MerrimackStreet.com.
6: Outdoor Almanac, brought to you by New Hampshire Fishing Game's Wildlife Journal.
7: If you've got a little money left over from Christmas, let's talk about an accessory that all hunters, fishermen, and wildlife watchers should have with them. Binoculars. Not only can you see better with binoculars than the naked eye, whether it's 50 yards or 250 yards, you can see better with binoculars than through the scope of your rifle, which shouldn't be used as a spotting scope. Binoculars can cost from $50 to over 1000 plan on spending at least a few hundred. For my money, a good place to start is in the eight by 32 or eight by 42 power range. Seven by 35 would work as well. These will allow you to hunt, bird watch, or look across the pond to the boat that's catching all the fish to see what they're using. Binoculars alone won't guarantee a successful day outdoors. They're just another tool. But the way I see it, they're an important tool.
6: Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Game's Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests. Outdoor Almanac. Brought to you by New Hampshire Fishing Games Wildlife Journal. When
7: I think of my youth, I remember a stage of life that's vibrant and full of possibility. The same is true for our forests. A young forest is a light filled place rich with quickly growing trees, shrubs, wildflowers, and other plants. It may look unruly, but it provides food and shelter for a wide variety of creatures, many of whose numbers have declined in recent decades. In the past, wildfires and flooding created this young forest habitat by creating openings for fresh, new growth. Today, we have largely Control those natural processes. The responsibility now falls on us to make enough new young forests so wildlife can thrive. Timber harvests, prescribed fires, and mowing can renew middle-aged woods, making them younger and more vital. Do your part by supporting young forest projects on public and private land. Become a well-informed wildlife advocate.
6: Outdoor Almanac is brought to you by New Hampshire Fish and Games Wildlife Journal, the magazine for people with outside interests.
3: You're listening to the home of New England sports on 1250 Manchester. It's ESPN New Hampshire.
1: Welcome back. It is the Celtics pregame show right here, ESPN Radio. Stream it live at ESPNNHRadio.com. Jeff Hickman alongside Patrick Gilroy, Jared Scaley behind the glass. Taking your phone call, 603-883-9900, 603-883-9900. This segment brought to you by Get In Shape for Women. Uh, Head on over to GetInShapeForWomen.com. Find Get In Shape for Women. They're Salem, a New Hampshire location. They are running specials as we speak. If you're a woman out there who uh, is looking to get in shape after the holidays, it's a great place to go. It's small, personal training, one to four people Per class, essentially, you sign up for three, four sessions a week, and they will take good care. Have of you. Have you signed up? If you're a husband looking to uh, <laughs> promote health in your family, send your wife along, send your friends along. No, I we also, don't. It's a, it's, we don't promote health. It's in a my it's a great place to <laughs> so go. Jeff, if you my, want some free my, time, my my <laughs> son's my son's
0: like, can I have a lollipop at six thirty in the morning? I'm like, sure. Just shut up. But here, <laughs> just, d- d- eat can, that. Get, what, that's what I sell for a living. I'll give you a bag. <laughs> a Which is probably what leads to you know gastric distress. And speaking of gastric, of distress, here we go. Here, here we go.
1: Here, here is I wonder if in shape for women is going to appreciate this segue. Here, <laughs> here
0: is my, yeah, no, I'm sorry, a little,
1: a little association here between. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that place is great. I'm sure that
0: place is great, you know, I, I wouldn't know because I'm not a woman, so I haven't tried it. But I'm certain that uh, many women have probably come in and out of there and uh, done quite well for themselves. Uh, on the other side of things, though, for, as a, as a man, we've all dealt with gastric uh, distress, meaning you are in the middle of doing something. Maybe you're at an airport waiting in line to get your your ticket maybe you're just walking around at the mall and suddenly you feel that strange feeling in your stomach and you literally have to make a run to the bathroom in fact Patrick knows this all too well. Mm. Uh, he's had times on this show yes. where he's not been able to participate. <laughs> okay, so and when I when I was here, uh, you know, he, those he moments did this. were able to get Patrick to shut up. That's, so, uh, that's not him not talking. <laughs> Celtics fans probably remember back in uh, the NBA Finals 2008, uh, where uh, Paul Pierce. In Game 1 of the NBA Finals, went down with an apparent knee injury, and many of us uh, probably cringed just as hard as he looked like he was cringing on the floor uh, because we were concerned that he had just blown an ACL and the series was going to be gone before it started. And if you watch him rolling around on the ground in pain, it looked as though that that was the case. Well, a theory has popped up, uh, NBA myth-busting here, and I, I don't know, you got this from what the ringer.com The Ringer, yeah. Okay. Big website by the way. This is out there today. Uh theringer.com uh, about 6 hours ago put out the curious case of Paul Pierce and the wheelchair. If you remember, Paul Pierce was carted off the court by Brian Scalabrini and uh Tony Allen and put into a wheelchair which you then saw him in the background, uh excuse me, in the in the locker room area in a wheelchair. And for most Celtics fans, that was probably one of the worst moments we've ever had. It turns out uh, that there is a theory that Paul Pierce suffered gastric distress during that game. Uh, and, you know, because many people remember Paul Pierce came back out of the tunnel not much long after he went back in a wheelchair and was jumping to get back into the game, came back into the game and took the game over. New pair of shorts. New pair of shorts. Why was that new pair of shorts needed? There was talk that Paul Pierce may have crapped himself and was trying to hide the fact that he crapped himself. So when he went down, did he whisper at his teammates here, you guys got to get me out of here? Get, probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: the article did, committed, said,
1: hey, he did a great job. He hit it
2: well. Let well, they, it. you know, that, that was they the talk him. of
0: why they would sit him down, put him in a wheelchair, so that obviously you don't see any seepage, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, I am sure. I hope many of you have either already eaten well, great dinner. Yes, or, well, great talk. So yeah. here's the
1: thing. This is on the ringer today, and I have to wonder, I mean, Paul Pierce is made available to the media before and after each and every Clipper game. Are they, are they this is a national website. No. Somebody's going to ask the que- no, to be- ask question. No, there's absolutely going to be. Who's going to ask this question? There's got to be a goofball reporter out there in L.A. There's got to be somebody that is going to step up. There's got to be a website. There's got to be. TMZ might be at the game. Somebody is going to the game tonight just to ask Paul Pierce this question. It's a good This thing cannot this go is unaddressed.
0: A, it's a good thing this is not an article about, like, Bill Belichick. Can you imagine him oh. at a, pro- a press conference and someone asking him and him being like. Hey, did you? You know, we're on to we're Cincinnati. We're, <laughs> I got I to I crap my pants. Imagine that, though. That is that, that would be a very embarrassing it's, moment. It's the NBA Finals. He was probably and, was you know, nervous. We, and we I was going to say, we probably used that term like, oh, my God, it's game one of the NBA Finals. I would crap my pants. He actually did it. That's why he's a champion. Pierce is in, <laughs> hey,
2: Pierce is in Boston on Super Bowl Sunday. So. Oh,
0: there you go. All right, so uh, tonight, Celtic Sixers, we didn't really get a chance to break this matchup down, but no one really cares because the Sixers are worth the same thing that came out of Paul Pierce's rear end in Game <laughs> 1 of the NBA Finals. <laughs> I'm Jeff Hickman. He's Patrick Gilroy. He's Jared Scaley. I hope you behave yourselves, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Have a great night.